Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! What? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's one for you. One for you. Plan to go around. Okay, forget it! Hell yeah! Smoke them if you got them, that's what I say. It is Halloween. It's that spooky time of year where kids all over Europe and North America dress up and they forage for treats, while poor Aussie kids might be lucky enough to score one festive house out of 30. That is if they're not berated by adults who aren't having a bar of that Yankee bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> this is Good Movie Monday. My name is Glenn Cochran. Thanks for dropping by. We are the podcast presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. Find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. The good news is that you've all knocked on the right door today. What better way to celebrate the occasion than with two strapping lads from Australia's premium horror company, Monster Pictures? Both of whom are actually already part of the show. I'm talking about my co-pilot, Ben Halwig. Hey, what's up, mate? Oh, you know, man, I'm just uh, enjoying the uh, the freedom. The freedom that uh, we here in Melbourne have been uh, recently uh, given. Not much freedom, but uh, just enough uh, to get out and, and try taste some uh, junk food that was uh, uh, not allowed me because it was outside that five-kilometer radius of my house. And now I think I've had two two kebabs. <laughs> and and a HSP in the last in the last couple of days, and it it's uh, it's become a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's also our resident PE teacher Jarrett Garn, who joins us again. Hey man, it's great to have you back. Hey man, it's great to be back. I've been uh, listening to you guys since our last episode, and wishing I could just be there to jump in on the conversation at points in time. And it's it's quite funny actually, because when I am listening to you guys, and I have an opinion. I'm often it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm walking the streets of like Altona North and probably partially wearing the mask. No one else is around at the time. So I, I lower it a little and I'm, I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. so I like to think that the passing cars see me and go, look at that crazy guy. He's out there at 5am talking to himself. Crazy bastard. But yeah, I like to weigh <laughs> in, you know. Well, this is your opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to be doing it. Don't worry. I should put the mask on just for effect. <laughs> Uh, and uh, for any of our listeners who are not aware, both of you are from Monster Pictures and your annual Monster Fest Film Festival is kicking off later this week. Um, it's always a celebrated occasion and we will be talking about uh, this year's event in a few moments' time. But first, here's a cheeky piece of audio for all of you to think about before the end of the show. Something moved in next door that isn't human. They did kill a girl over there. It's horrifying. It's unspeakably evil. And now it knows that you know. If you love being scared, it'll be the night of your life. Rated R. 
State Preview Friday night. Check newspapers for theatres. <laughs> well, get your thinking caps on because we will be asking you to identify that one at the end of the show. But now let's get straight into it. Let's talk about Monster Fest. And Jarrett, I'm going to throw one at you first. Obviously, Melbourne is in lockdown. Uh, the festival has a slightly different shape this year. Uh, how is the festival running this year? Uh, well, look, we've got we've got people on the ground in some of the states. So in Sydney, we've got our festival director Simon Foster, who's looking after things there. So we're we're sort of relaying stuff with him. Obviously, we've worked with him on programming. There's a couple of things that he's programmed that are outside of the programming for the other states, and he's handling all the Q and A and MC duties there. Uh, we're a little a little less, I think, in the other states. I think Vanessa and Duncan might be lending us a hand in Perth. Um, and then obviously here in Melbourne every year in Brisbane, we've got our business partners there and they're going to handle like, you know, if we have a merch table and that set up as well, but this year we're actually doing the t-shirts online because COVID slowed everything down. We can't guarantee the t-shirts will get to the cinemas in time and just the whole cash handling aspect of merch. You know what I mean? It's, it's a traditional way we've sort of done things. So we're trying to keep things as clean and, and, um, I guess, keep it as fast track as possible. So if that means doing it all out of Melbourne and sending the t-shirts out, it makes it a bit easier. But yeah, we're sort of managing things remotely. We've obviously spent months planning for these festivals. Uh, so all the hard work's sort of done to an extent. I mean, Ben really is the guy who is working behind the scenes right up until the festival. Because we've got films still coming in from all over the world um, that you know, maybe we haven't received the physical DCP of, and Ben's chasing those things 24-7. Like, if you jump on your email, he's sending emails out at like 4 a, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning, 11 p.m. at night, trying to get these films to the cinemas in time. But, um, so yeah, it's all being handled remotely. I mean, it's going to be interesting because typically the weekend itself is a pretty stressful weekend. It's a, it's a good weekend. It's fun to catch up with everybody. If you're lucky, you get to catch a couple movies, but more often than not, obviously, we've seen most of the programming. And, you know, you might be doing Q&As and things, so you sort of run off your feet. Uh, but you can always, you know, at the end of the day, have a beer, you know, with some of the Monster Fest crew, you know, like the Mondo and, and people like that, and just sort of chill and have a bit of fun. Um, but this year, we're all going to be, like, at home while it's all happening interstate, and it's going to be odd. It's going to be the first Halloween, I think, I've spent at home <laughs> in years so that's kind of kind of strange but yeah so I, I think at the moment my work's pretty much done for the most part like you know all the social media stuff and that but yeah cool well ben i know that you've you've been like Jarrett said you've been busy bringing monster fest together behind the scenes and for curious minds listening who might not think of how a festival is put together how does an average day leading up to the event look for you <laughs> well look it's all like especially as as we get closer to the actual event it's just a series of harried emails. That's that's all day, every day. Like every like we play this year. I think we've got uh, uh, for the for the interstate festivals, and Melbourne is traditionally larger, a larger festival. Um, but this year we've got fourteen features, and I think there's twenty two shorts. Usually there's there's anywhere from sixty to a hundred shorts, and each short film requires as much. Uh, how can I say it without saying that? Hassle <laughs> requires as much work <laughs> to get onto the screen as the feature does. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty full on 
when you're you know constantly emailing people and everyone thinks that they're the only ones who are going to give you their film the day before the screening and they, no one really understands that you can't play a H.264 MP4 that you've got on your mobile phone on a cinema screen like it just doesn't that's not how it works so you get this like oh here's my here's a Vimeo link can you get it from that you know like, well <laughs> I can it's not going to look great and you know it's got your name on it so maybe maybe rethink that uh, a bit <laughs> and it's also it's it's amazing how many people do not read the submission guidelines on uh, film freeway when submitting <laughs> And to and to what you're actually going to need to to show your your film on the on the big screen, but um, I mean, look, that's that, that's in the lead up. That's in the last, like usually usually I, I try and get all of the films a month before the festival because so then we can send uh, compiled drives out to all the locations without too much hassle. Uh, it never works out that way. Sometimes I've, I've a couple of a couple of years ago I think we sent we had three drives per per location going out, and because we just didn't get films and, and like we're still where the festival starts at the end of this week. I think I've, I'm still missing two features. Don't have them. They're not in the country. So sometimes it goes right down to the wire. Mm. Well, that just keeps you on your toes, mate. Certainly does. My tippy toes. <laughs> so what are, what are some of the highlights for the festival this year in, in both of your minds? Well, I guess, look, I guess first, first it is important to say there are, there are, five, six of us on the programming team at Monster Fest and not all of us have seen everything. There are some films uh, like Dark and the Wicked, which is our clo- uh, closing night film, which Grant got to see at Virtual Khan this year, but we have not been able to see. But Jarrett and I haven't, haven't seen it. Jarrett went to Sundance uh, this year and he saw our opening night film, Possessor. We have not had a chance to to see Possessor yet. Uh so You've got a link now. Though. I do have. I do have a link, and that is that is uh, yeah. that is my plan. Uh, once yeah. once this show ends, once we finish recording, is to sit down and watch <laughs> and watch up. Possessor. Um, so, yeah. So there's a there, there, there yeah like so even though Jared and I have seen a lot of what's playing, we haven't seen everything. Everything. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. uh, I probably speak for a lot of people when I say I'm anticipating Shakespeare shitstorm for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now that that I have and seen, I'm looking, that's great. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to speak with Lloyd Kaufman because I, I would like to know what he thinks where, where Troma stands in today's world. I think mm. I think Troma stands where it's always stood. Like uh, the <laughs> like Shakespeare's shitstorm is a is a throwback to a classic Troma film. Like it is a Lloyd Kaufman yeah. Michael Hers production, and it has everything that that you you kind of you know that entails. So it's. It's, and that is exactly what we want, and yeah. you know. But like I said, it's a precarious yeah. time to be trauma. Yeah, and the whole oh, yeah, and the film yeah, is absolutely yeah is essentially about kind of cancel culture. That's mm, what Shakespeare's shitstorm is about. So very and um, yeah, Psycho Gorman's another one, and uh, Synchronic yes. is that how you pronounce it? They're both yeah, ones I'm correct. anticipating. Yeah, like Psycho Gorman is great. Psycho Gorman uh, is. Uh, I'm not sure how the Astron Six thing works because it's like six six guys in Canada, and sometimes they work together and sometimes they don't. But even when they don't, they're still all in each other's films. And, and this one is is yeah. Steve Kostansky, who traditionally in the Astron Six kind of group was their special effects guy, um, but he's since branched out, and I, I, I believe Manborg was his baby, and uh, The Void uh, was yeah. his, and now Psycho Gorman, which is like a it's like a a kinder horror, I guess you would. Yeah, I guess yeah. you would say. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like uh, the trailer, the trailer is magnificent. If you haven't seen the trailer, check that out. It it achieves its goal of making you really want to watch the film. And everything that's in the trailer, like it, the trailer, doesn't give away everything. Uh, there's still plenty, plenty of kind of you know extra surprises and stuff. But it's it's really good. It's a really good film. And there's also like some really phenomenal repertoire programming this year. Like you've oh, yeah. got Event Horizon and Total Recall. Not to mention, uh, Ben would probably slap me if I didn't say Action USA, <laughs> the most actioniest '80s action movie ever made. You know, last week, last week on the show, you mentioned Action USA when we were talking about uh, stunt rock. Yeah, right. And I don't know why, but in my mind, when you said it playing at Monster Fest, I thought, oh, it must be a new film. Then I went and looked it up, and I'm like, no, what the hell am I talking about? It's like an old movie from the 80s. Yeah, it's from 1989, yeah. directed yeah. by a by a, a stuntman uh, who basically destroyed the town of Waco, Texas, making this film. And, like, it's one of those kind of great films where every stunt, like, especially the big stunts, that's all this guy really cares about. So each stunt is shot at, shot from like 15 different angles and he cuts all 15 angles into each effect. Huh. And it's like cars going through houses, people catching fire and getting thrown off bridges, motorcycles going off bridges, cars going through school buses, school buses going through helicopters. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. And, and you could almost set your watch to the, the stunts. There's something <laughs> happening pretty much every three to four minutes and when there's not something happening action-wise, there's somewhat bizarre, witty dialogue about it. There's just there's just a lot of WTF moments in the movie. Yeah. Like, you think that a character is going to be a central character for, through the film in a similar manner to, like, to live and die in L.A. Then they're shot in front of you and in slow motion from multiple angles with loads of squibs. And it's just, you're like, what the, what the fuck? It, it is it is just it is jaw droppingly awesome and it's that kind of movie that you'd never heard of that is this great you know secret movie like I'd not heard of it prior to it playing at Fantastic Fest and us sort of seeking it out and then seeing it and it was just I couldn't look away it was just fantastic yeah, but yeah so they, it's a treasure I mean I'm pretty sure it didn't get a VHS release or anything in Australia like it's never been seen yeah in this country. And it does have like, like on my checklist of things that make an excellent film and it must have all of these elements. One of them is random characters from the film bursting into song for random unexplained reasons. And that happens in this film in a country in Western (laughs) bar. And it is, yes, it is an amazing scene. It's, it's Miami connection. I mean, the song's not as catchy as the Miami connection. song. But it is as good as the Miami Connection. Well, it, it does yeah. sound fantastic. But I'll tell you what, like Waco, Texas can't catch a break. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Uh, but before we move along, two more things. Uh, firstly, mm. is there anything in store for the legions of Melbourne fans who do miss out this year? Well, at this point in time, we're just waiting on what sort of restrictions are going to be eased. And once we know that, we're going to be able to sort of firm up a date. But behind the scenes, we've been working on programming for the festival. So it will feature probably the bulk of what plays in the national program. But there will be some exceptions due to, you know, release dates. Um, You know, I think Total Recall is going to be on home entertainment in December, coming out 4K Ultra HD. Um, And then there's a few others that may be closer to sort of digital release. So... 
We've actually got another few films that we couldn't quite get in time from the national program we're hoping to lock for Melbourne. One in particular that I'm really excited about. Uh, so there will be some different content for Melbourne. Uh, and yeah, we're really hoping that we're going to be able to do the in-cinema experience. I mean, it's never been a question to us whether we would do the thing online in a digital way or stick with the physical format. For us, it was we want to stick to the cinema we don't want to do anything online, you know. It's about the experience. Monster Fest is more than just the movies. It's the people that come to see the movies, you know. It's it's it is its own experience and we really want to get that happening again in Melbourne. So, we do have a few different things and hopefully we might even be able to put on some panels and that because we've been discussing all of that stuff. Uh but yeah, we we're, we're sort of at the mercy of of Dan Andrews and the and the government at this point in time, and you know the health and well being of all all Melbourneites. So and as Donald yeah. Trump uh, calls it, the Chinese plague. I'm just <laughs> yes, uh, just yes. watching the debates uh, oh my over God, the weekend. Yeah. God. What, so good. What, a, what an amazing uh, so what an amazing coin of I, phrase uh, uh, turn of phrase that that man is able to deliver. Yes. Well, he yeah he knows he knows how to how to turn on a certain crowd in a certain place like. I'm 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 an unabashed fan of reality TV. I watch some <laughs> shit reality TV out here that much. So I'm currently watching the new season of The Bachelorette, which is awful, but I'm still watching it. Mind you, I am loving the election coverage in the United States at the moment. That is far more entertaining. <laughs> I'm watching everything I can. I'm even I've got my YouTube open daily where it's got a feed of different appearances that are popping up and then I'll I'll have it playing in the background, so I'm just listening to Trump or Biden talk about something. It's amazing. Like I, you just can't, you can't write that into a film. Like this is, this is bigger and better than Wag the Dog. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm ticking that at the moment. You know, we don't have many movies coming out, but the U.S. presidential election campaigning. It's phenomenal. They, and they uh, said there was no substitute for Monster Fest. No, they should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should. We could just put that on the cinema screen, like yeah, you know, just <laughs> put the just put the best of. You could do it. You well, before it. Uh, before we um before we go to Guillermo to run through this week's movie news, is there anything you both want to add about Monster Fest? Look, I, I want to say, you know, I, I know that not everyone's going to be able to get to all fourteen films, um, so I'm just going to throw out my my definite you have to see and you have to see in a cinema on the big screen possessor opening night at monster fest on thursday october 29 it is it is such an experience like the film is brilliant it's probably my favorite film of the year and the idea of getting to see it in the cinema with people like i did in sundance where there's going to be audible gasps throughout the auditorium as the movie plays at certain points You've got to, it's just, it's such a weird shared experience to know that you, you find something shocking, but then pretty much everyone else does too. So it kind of reinforces that thing of like, oh wow, cool. You know, movies are this shared experience and it's a magnificent looking film. So, um, if you, if you are looking to, you know, lock one particular film, in my mind, it's Possessor. I mean, we've got a program of great stuff and it's very diverse this year, but Possessor is my, my number one film for the festival. Excellent. You know, it's weird because you two are just, you know, permanent features on this show, but I really felt like I interviewed you then and that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I assumed the position. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's happening everybody, Skidmo here again from ScreenRealm.com, happy to be back on Good Movie Monday. Let's quickly take a look at some of the news stories we've covered in the past week, kicking off with the end of the Fast and the Furious films. That's right, more than 20 years from when the wheels first started spinning, the Fast and the Furious saga will be hitting the finish line. Universal Pictures is ordering two more films in the core Fast and the Furious franchise before that line of films wraps up. The potentially growing Hobbs and Shaw series and other possible offshoots are still free to move ahead if the studio wants. I mean, come on, you didn't think Universal would really put this cash cow to sleep completely, did you? Set to direct the last two chapters is Justin Lin, who has directed four Fast and the Furious films so far and has directed the upcoming ninth film, which had been scheduled for release earlier this year until the pandemic pushed it back to 2021. Next up, Jared Leto will be back as the Clown Prince of Crime. After playing beloved DC villain the Joker in the David Ayer directed Suicide Squad back in 2016 and being left quite disappointed with what resulted in just around 7 minutes of screen time, Leto will be playing the character once again in the highly anticipated Snyder Cut of Justice League. Leto has been brought back for additional scenes being filmed by Snyder among the cast that have returned to film the new footage, Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher and Amber Heard as Batman, Cyborg and Mirror respectively. There aren't any details to go on as to what Leto's Joker will have to do in the new cut, it's certainly an interesting move considering the Joker wasn't in the Joss Whedon completed Justice League that hit cinemas. Zack Snyder's Justice League, as it's been officially titled now, will be around 4 hours in length and will be released as a 4 episode event series on US streaming service HBO Max in 2021. Jamie Foxx has signed up to star in a vampire comedy titled Day Shift. Set to be released by Netflix, Day Shift will have Foxx playing a hard-working blue-collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted 8-year-old daughter. But his mundane San Fernando Valley pool-cleaning job is a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. There's a good amount of John Wick blood in this creative force. Day Shift will be marking the directorial debut for J.J. Perry, a second unit director and stunt coordinator whose credits include Fast and Furious 9, The Fate and the Furious, Bloodshot and the John Wick franchise. The screenplay, originally from Tyler Tice, is currently undergoing revisions by Shay Hatton, who co-wrote John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum and Zack Snyder's upcoming Netflix zombie film Army of the Dead. Fox will also be executive producing the film, with John Wick franchise director Chad Stahelski in the producing team. Said fellow producer Sean Reddy, Day Shift is a pulse-pounding thrill ride with action, danger and grounded comedy mixed with the deep mythology, the key ingredients for the absolute best time you can have watching a movie. And lastly, Scarlett Johansson has signed up to star in and produce Bride, a genre-bending film from Chilean director Sebastián Lelio, who was behind Oscar-winning foreign film A Fantastic Woman, Disobedience and Gloria. It's an interesting sounding synopsis, Johansson will be playing a woman who is created to be the ideal wife the singular obsession of a brilliant entrepreneur. When she rejects her creator, she's forced to flee her confined existence, confronting a world that sees her as a monster. It is on the run that she finds her true identity, her surprising power, and the strength to remake herself as her own creation. The film, which will be a feature partnership for Apple and A24, is said to be a riff on the classic character, The Bride of Frankenstein. That about does it for me guys, thanks so much for having me once again. Be sure to jump on ScreenRealm.com for the latest movie news, trailers, reviews, all that jazz. I'm out of here. Ah, cheers to Guillermo for that. If you're not on board with ScreenRealm yet, then uh, show them some love. ScreenRealm.com is a great go-to source of movie stuff and TV stuff. They do giveaways, uh, they feature all kinds of interviews, uh, reviews and more. They're on Facebook and all of the other socials, so definitely throw them a like. And actually, their latest episode of the Loud Observers podcast slash vodcast is now online. I recommend you go and watch the YouTube version, Guillermo and his wife, Cassandra, Talk about all kinds of nonsense and non-nonsense, and it's heaps of fun. And now, though, it is, uh, Jared, it's your time to take over, mate. There's some juicy stuff coming out this week. What do you got for us? 
Oh my god, this week is ridiculous on home entertainment front. But before I get to the good stuff, let me cover some of the crap. We've got Disney, and Disney now have <laughs> Frankenstein their catalogue titles with that of the Fox Library, and they're releasing probably somewhere within the vicinity of maybe 20 movie multi-packs. And they range from, like, dog movies, so they've got, like, Turner and Hooch at 8 Below from the Disney catalogue, and they toss it in with Marley and Me. You've got actor-centric packs with, like, Denzel Washington's Crimson Tide and Deja Vu with Man on Fire, the Tony Scott film. There's sport packs, horror movie packs, horse movie packs, disaster movie packs... If there's a pack to be had, Disney have got it and they're all under $15. And, you know, I'm not a massive fan of packs because, you know, what do you file that movie under? Do you file it under the first film <laughs> featured on there? The only one of the three you like? The one you like the most? In any case, I guess it's a gift-giving thing. And look, it's keeping physical media in people's hands. But that's what's coming out from Disney. Roadshow, though. Roadshow's got some cool stuff happening. They've got Full Metal Jacket coming out on 4K Ultra HD, the Stanley Kubrick Classic. So that's an all-new 4K restoration. It's got all the archival special features there on the Blu-ray. They've also got the Oz Perkins film, Gretel and Hansel, that's coming out on DVD. Now, Oz Perkins did that movie, The Black Coat's Daughter. Um, the, what was that other one? The Quiet Thing That Lives in the House or something. One of the Netflix movies. He's an interesting filmmaker, Anthony Perkins' son. And he was like an actor previous. He was in the Legally Bond movie. Um, so Gretel and Hansel, that's hitting DVD. And that that's a bit of an... Fair, no fanfare for that either. Got a US theatrical straight to DVD here. Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, though, wins the week for home entertainment releases because they've got three 4K titles coming out. They've got District 9, they've got Spartacus, and they've got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which all sound awesome and are terrific. But the big one, the big one is the Back to the Future Ultimate Trilogy Collection coming out on 4K Ultra HD. And now they've gone back and they've done 4K scans and restorations of all the films. They've all got Dolby Atmos tracks, but they've also got new special feature content that includes audition tapes for some of the not then celebrities that are now like huge celebrities that audition for parts in the film, including Ben Stiller, John Cryer, and Kira Sedgwick. Um, so I'm really excited about picking that one up. That's 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 my number one on my shopping list for next week. But there's other stuff coming out from Universal Sony this week. And it's great because it's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. They've got the new horror film, Follow Me, that came out through Studio Kamal in cinemas uh, earlier, I think a couple months ago. They've got the El Camino movie, that Breaking Bad movie that went to Netflix. That's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. They've even got The King of Staten Island, that Judd Apatow film that came out a couple months ago. Uh, that's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD as well. Then there's ViaVision. And ViaVision have a ton of their imprint label titles coming out. I'm not going to go through them all. I'm just going to mention that P.T. Anderson's Heart 8, a.k.a. Sydney, is going to make its Blu-ray debut, which I'm very excited about to uh, fit in with my P.T. Anderson collection. And I, I think it's pretty much one of... I think it's his most underrated film. I mean, I don't think... I still feel like not a lot of people really know about Heart 8. So hopefully yep. this Blu-ray release will kind of put it, you know, in the forefront of people's minds and they'll check it out. They've also got an essential film noir collection coming out that's got four features in it. Um, I'm quite keen on that one as well. The price is a little expensive, but maybe there'll be a sale, you know, at Amazon or <laughs> JB or somewhere, and I can sort of look at adding that to the collection. And then there's it's probably another four or five titles they're releasing at the moment. They're really exploded. And now, normally I don't cover TV shows, but I do want to mention, because that's a little bit of an exception, the Hammer House of Horror. They're releasing a Blu-ray collection of that, a three-disc set that's got all the episodes of that. And they're like, you know, 
anthology horror, so it's like mini movies, really, and and top talent too, because you've got episodes with like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Um, I'm really excited about that local release, and they've gone all out and they've got commentaries uh, from people that directed episodes through to film historians on that. Um, there's a ton of extra feature content that's not present on the British release of it that Network put out maybe a year or two ago. So I'm really excited about that, but that's pretty much it. I mean, there is a lot of stuff coming out next week, but I wanted to keep it tight. So yeah, it's an exciting week. It's going to be an expensive week and it's probably why there's no 20% off sale this week. (laughs) I, um, I, I distinctly remember the sound of tumbleweed through your segment for the last few weeks. I know, I know. Suddenly the posse's rolled into town, man. Oh, it's ridiculous. I think now all the distributors are getting in this bit before Christmas so people can start looking at what they're going to be buying as gifts. And, man, you know, um, I just want a gift card from my family. Just get me gift cards. Get me gift cards for retailers and I'm happy. There's a big Blumhouse collection coming out too, I think. It is. I think it's like 10 features in there. I think I own the bulk of them, even the shitty ones like Unfriended and whatnot. But yeah, it's like a big box set of Blumhouse movies coming out. Everything from Get Out to probably Fantasy Island and that sort of fair. Yeah. uh, All housed in the one collection. And, you know, I'd say who wants to own like, you know, a collection that's got those films at one end of the spectrum to one another? Well, this guy, I've bought them all already anyway, so they're in my collection over there. <laughs> Even the Fantasy well, Island film, I finally bought that, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. So, but yeah, big week, big week. Well, I, I mentioned um, I mentioned that box set, and because movies like that, as well as Follow Me, there's no, no better way to segue into Halloween, because this mm. week is Halloween week. Were you guys trick-or-treaters as kids? No, I grew up in Queensland. We didn't. We, I think, we might have got arrested if we did that because Sir Joby Occhio Peterson was in power when I was a when I was a kid, and you couldn't literally one of the legal like one of the laws in Queensland during the eighties was if you had three or more people on a sidewalk, it was considered a mob, and you could all be arrested on site. Yeah, but so, hang on, so, Jared. Yeah, that was yeah. just for that was just uh, for. Considering it was Sir Joe, that was just for Aboriginals, though, right? Those lords. Oh, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. But, he, uh, was, he was a redneck racist and a very church-driven man that didn't um, didn't believe in a lot of things other than God and um, his abuse of power and corruption. He was very big on corruption, loved taking bribes. Um, he's no longer with us, so we can totally speak ill of him. So political, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> The show's never been more political. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> Sorry about that. But no, I wanted to, but my parents were very, um, very sort of like, nah, look, no one does that here. Um, and I'm like, but there's got to be someone that starts it, you know, sort of thing. But they wouldn't allow it to happen. So I feel like I must have been one of those lucky kids. I lived in like a closed, closed neighborhood, like it was a street where all the families looked out for each other's kids and... Even if they didn't have kids, they'd still let you in to have lunch. And so when Halloween came around, I think they all made this secret agreement that they're all going to be ready for it. So we were oblivious. I mean, the next street over may have been completely the opposite, but we had this little community where every kid dressed up and got heaps of stuff. Jeez, no, I just used to watch um, Garfield's Halloween special. And that was my version of (laughs) trick-or-treating. Garfield did it for me. I think when I was about 15, maybe, or 14, there was a... There was like a dance at uh, one of the sister schools of the school I went to and they had like a Halloween dance and I was so excited because everyone dressed up and, you know, and it was a dance, but, you know, you got an opportunity to get dressed up and that. 
And that was the most exciting thing that ever happened in Queensland around Halloween when I was growing up. And it was amazing. But the funny thing is, typically you go to dances to try and meet girls and maybe, you know, get a dance, a kiss, and phone number or something. But it doesn't really work your best when you're completely, um, you know, covered in some sort of makeup. I went as a zombie in that, you know, like a Dawn of the Dead styled zombie. There's a photo of me from it. And yeah, you know, there's no real way to pick up when you're looking like that. But yeah, I was less interested in picking up. I was more into like, I'm a zombie. But yeah, anyway, most exciting well, thing that happened in Queensland in the 90s. Being that it is Halloween week, there's no better excuse to talk about scary movies. So let's do that. All right, let's do two rounds of recommendations this week. How about we recommend one classic movie each right now, and then at the end of the show, we do a newer one. Sounds great. Uh, ben, would you like to go first? Uh, okay, I don't mind going first. Um, I've already, I've already, I've already talked about Blood Rage on this show, uh, but this week I'm going to talk about another Vinegar Syndrome blood-related release. Uh, this is 1983's Blood Beat, which it did actually get a VHS uh, home release here in Australia. Uh, this is a fantastic, uh, what they call a regional horror film in the US, and it uh, takes place in like rural Wisconsin uh, in, in this kind of like barren, you know, kind of it looks like something out of Sleepy Hollow, like this this area. It's really kind of atmospheric. Um, and it, it's basically about this, uh, family who kind of get together for, um, for the, for the holiday season. I can't remember if it's Thanksgiving or what the thing is, but it's all, it's snowy outside and everything. And, um, the, the son comes home with his college girlfriend, uh, and he wants to introduce him to the family. And the mum is this weird, the, the mum is kind of weird and spooky and it's hard to tell if it's bad acting or it's intentional but she's this witch she's a kind of new age hippie kind of painter chick but she paints her visions she gets visions and so she commits them to painting when she meets the girlfriend instantly she doesn't really like she doesn't like the girl or there's something not quite there's something between them that's weird but then as, as the film goes on basically what happens is this girl is possessed by a the spirit of a samurai <laughs> of all things. And while what happens is she, when she sleeps, she has wet dreams. And while she's having these wet dreams and like, like literally humping her mattress throughout the night, this spirit of a samurai is slaughtering the neighbors with a samurai sword. <laughs> It is the, one of the most bizarre but awesome films that I've ever seen. It is. And why why is it called Blood Beat? Is it B-double-E-T because they live in the country? No, it's B-E-A-T because it's like a heartbeat. Because all through, while she's having these dreams, the, the, the soundscape that's kind of interposed over these killings and her her uh, writhings is this kind of boom, 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 kind of beat noise yeah. i think that's why the guy who directed it is this guy his name is fabrice ange zephyritos <laughs> and he he wrote it as well i don't know if he uh ever did anything else other than this uh film and it's, mm. it's a weird offbeat kind of 
mess of a movie that is thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining. Once you get past how weird it is. You always bring something interesting that I've never seen. I, ben had mentioned this film to me before and I bought it and I put it on and I watched it for about 25 minutes or so. But because I was, I put it on late at night because I thought this is the perfect late night type of movie. And, you know, my wits weren't about me. So after 25 minutes, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm enjoying it, but I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I said to Ben on Monday when I saw him, I said, dude, I put that movie on. And not that it's bad, like, but I got 25 minutes into it and I couldn't work out what was going on. Like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I lost my concentration, whether I should have been, you know, really giving it my devout attention. He's like, oh, no, no, no. It's just like that. It'll, it'll sort of... It gets there. It gets there. And I'm like, it I've been there. meaning like, to I don't go know back. The... I've been meaning because yeah, I was like, I don't know I don't even know if in the first 25 minutes, I don't think the first kill even happens in the first 25 minutes. No, at that point, like, I no. Think it's, uh... It was just an introduction of a lot of people to like a sort of old kind of cabin house sort of thing. They just kept coming. Yeah. And I'm like, who are these people? There's so many people. What are they here for? What what connection do they have with them? Is this the yeah. same house? <laughs> I was like, I'm probably asking way too many questions. Consider this a recommendation. Our, our listeners can watch it and judge for themselves and let us know what the fuck yeah. is going on with that one. I gotta watch it. But Jarrett, what about you? What Halloween treat are you recommending? Oh well, look, I'm I'm going right back to 1981, and I'm digging into a film, a British horror film called The Monster Club. Now it's in the vein of like the Hammer, Amicus, and Tales from Tales from the Crypt British anthology horrors. Yeah, you know, and they typically happen from the mid 60s and mid 70s. So this one in 81 is a little after that. Um, I almost chose this one. Oh really? It's such a it is an absolute banger for me. It's up there with like. Um, what is it? Night Train to Terror? Is that what it's called? Night Train to Terror, the one that Vincent put out, which has got an anthology horror set on the train and the story's being told. But this one, this one consists of, uh, three tales and the wraparound story is just amazing. The wraparound story has Vincent Price as an old vampire that bumps into John Carradine in an alley and sort of plays like he's <laughs> injured, then sucks the blood from John Carradine but then learns John Carradine is actually his favourite horror author. So he finally feels guilty about it, and he lures him into an underground club that is the Monster Club, and it's where all the monsters hang out. And in in sort of, you know, an apologetic fashion, he decides to share some stories to, you know, really tell him monster stories. These are how monsters really live and what happens. <laughs> so he shares stories, you know, the three stories, and amidst that and this fantastic wraparound, there is terrific new wave band numbers performed live in the club, uh, and they're all kind of ghoulish, sort of Halloween y sort of style treat songs in the vein of like Monster Mash and that, but new wave. Um, it is terrific. And in addition to like John Carradine and Peter Cushing, you've got uh, Vincent Price, not Peter Cushing, you've got Donald Pleasance in there as well. And yep. the stories range from like light hearted, um, you know. They're all pretty much tongue-in-cheek. There's probably only one that's got more of a serious sort of tone to it, but it is just incredible fun. And none of the stories overstay their welcome. They're the perfect, perfect length, and the wraparound's terrific. The music's terrific. Like, if you're not singing along with those songs when they hit the chorus, you know, I don't know what kind of person you are, but you're certainly not a person I want to know. Um, it's, <laughs> it's terrific. And unfortunately, I don't know. You might know, Glenn. I don't know if it's available for streaming anywhere, but... You can pick up well, the Blu-ray really cheap, the, really, really The reason I, I chose, I, I was almost going to choose it, but the reason I chose not to is because, I one, I didn't have time to really refresh myself with it before we recorded, but also I couldn't find it. Right? <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, 
I didn't yeah. have time to buy it, and um, it yeah, might be on a streaming yeah. platform, but not one that I know of. Yeah, I I, I haven't stumbled on it because um, I love like I love British anthology horrors, like from like the ones I mentioned, the Amicus horror stuff. You know, the uncanny tales from the crypt. There's um, yeah. Asylum. So many great ones. Um, and this just sort of sticks out for me because it's just so much fun. Like well, it is it, just... It's really a Halloween treat. Like it has oh, absolutely. that that playful Halloween kind of kookiness absolutely. to it. And, and and that's the thing too. It's it's reasonably family friendly. I mean, there's nothing you know terribly gory. There's I don't think there's any profanity in it. I don't think there's any nudity in it. So it's a safe watch with the family. But that said, regardless of not having all those crucial elements that make you know some horror. Yeah, so you you kind brilliant. of. You, um, you're like I know, was, you're unselling it for a, for a bit there. I know. I was looking at Ben's <laughs> face, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I've gone too far." Um, but you shouldn't have told really, me that. Yeah, I was can... I was all set to go out and to buy that Blu-ray, but if there's no yes, if there's yes. no gore and no nudity in it, I don't know what it is I'm watching. I'll maybe hold out for your birthday, and what I'll do is I'll um I'll get a copy for you, and I'll draw a little dick, and I'll put it inside the case, so at least you get to see something. Um, but yeah, the Blu-ray's super cheap. You can get the Blu-ray for like. Less than $15 on Amazon AU and Zabby from the UK. And yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely worth it. I love, I love it. I, I don't know what it is about like my, maybe it's my penchant for kids films, but when most people think of Halloween, they, oh, let's, it's a good excuse to watch horror movies. But for me, it's like, I think of more kooky PG friendly kind of movies when I think yeah. of Halloween. Yeah. Like it's, it's more of a, a festive kind of occasion as opposed to just horror. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what we've got Friday the 13th for, which quite often is multiple times a year. Yeah. But, um, so I went with one, um, today that sort of balances that hokey with some genuine horror. It's from 1988 and it is Slaughterhouse Rock. Do you guys remember this one? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at I mean, this is, I, I, I love this film and I watched it again, you know, a few nights ago and I, I was, it reaffirmed how good it was. I, I love it. Tony Basil is in this, is in oh, this film. Course, like, Nikki. you know, Mickey, yeah, right. oh Mickey, you're so fine. Well, the story uh, more is importantly, I believe crazy. she choreographed some of the cheers in Bring It On. But this one tells the story of a guy who has all these night visions and night terrors, and then some psychic mystic woman, who is Tony Basil, concludes that the the visions are beckoning him back to Alcatraz Island for some weird ass reason. And then he and a group of friends sneak onto the island in the middle of the night. Then all these nightmarish things start to happen, including like demonic possession and shit like that. And it's just one of those standalone horror movies from the eighties. that never got a sequel. It's like, it's immediately striking. The visuals are just delicious. And the poster design is fucking amazing too. Great poster. And it's, there's a smorgasbord of cool horror in it. Like I particularly like, the scene where a guy gets sort of strung up over a fire and his back gets flayed of its flesh. Like it's really gross and gory, but at the same time, it's really frivolous and fun. Yeah. I've got, a, it's one I'm going to have to revisit. I picked up the Blu-ray a couple of years ago and I, I just haven't got to it. I think I might've tried to put it on one night when I was too tired and um, probably didn't make it past the menu, but I've been dying to check it out. Cause yeah, it, the artwork, I remember seeing the video as a kid at the video store and going, what is this? Is it a vampire flick? What is he? Is a monster of some sort? Um, but yeah, I've been dying to revisit it. And the fact that Tony Basil is in it, what a sell. It's a sell. Oh, and it has some really cool M. Light Shyamalan type of, you know, twists in there as well. So right. that was, that took me by surprise. I never remembered that from when I yeah. used to watch it. They were dead before they went to the island? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy who directed this one, though, um, recently made the Kickboxer Rebellion movie. You know, the, oh, the wow. sequel one. It, and yeah. he's, he's, yeah, and he's directing the upcoming Jiu-Jitsu with Nicolas Cage and Tony Jaa. Oh, that trailer Ooh. just landed the other day. I haven't checked it out yet. Right. Wow, that's incredible. He's still, like, working and doing good work, too. Yeah, and I think in between that, he must have been doing television or something. I, yeah. I, I don't care enough to actually know. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> awesome. Well, there, consider that the first round of recommendations. Uh, but for now, this week, the guys on Bonehead Weekly are discussing fantasy movie mashups. Then in a few moments, um, we'll do some newer Halloween recommendations. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size where Chad's going to give the description of what we're going to talk about today. Chad? That is a long title to put in front of after Bonehead Weekend. Chad edition? Yeah, sure. Even though, no, this is my least favorite one, so this is not mine. But what we're doing I is... I just like saying edition. You know, uh, there was a huge success with, when Freddy met Jason, and then there was talks of a sequel, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. That never happened, but you can get the comic book of the original script and highly recommend you check that out. I own it. Uh, so we wanted to do one of two Thank movies. Thank you for that we... taking mine. <laughs> That's what I was going to talk about. We'll go ahead and talk about it. We'll lead up to that. But no, we were, so we were talking about our favorite, our, what two movies that we would like to see meshed together into a great story. And Joe, go ahead. Well, that was, that almost happened. It was in the days of New Line. And literally, Freddy versus Jason was a, I shouldn't say literally, was a huge hit. They had a huge hit on their hand. And, they, and I've, Robert England has said it to me before. They left a lot of money on the table when they didn't do a sequel to that movie. It was a huge hit. Bigger than either one of those franchises could have imagined. The problem is, is they did not rush a sequel out. And I wanted to do Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Now, why they didn't just do another Freddy versus Jason? Just for the pure numbers, I don't know. I don't completely understand that of the studio politics. I know they're about to make Lord of the Rings and get a lot of Oscars and maybe wanted to get away from that. But people should want to make money. Corporations should want to make money. I understand that. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash is where they wanted to go. They could never get it quite worked out. Sam Raimi was on board. New Line was on board. I still don't understand what fell apart. And, if, and seriously, check out the comic book if you haven't, because yep. some of the kills in there are way more graphic and cooler than anything that could be put on, on film. And Hellraiser, as a, just because Chad mentioned it, kind of a two for two, Hellraiser has also been mentioned in several of these before. And if you think there hasn't been talks about teaming up Michael Myers and Pinhead, you are ghastly wrong. All right, I've got, I've got two I want to do. I'm going to pull Chad and do a two for. Okay, picture this. Now, you're, you're sitting there and you're in space. And there's this, there's this thing that keeps happening. It's a leprechaun? No, no, no. Leprechaun is nothing compared to this. You've got to figure out something you can send into this spaceship that literally is taking people to hell. That's right. You're going to send Jason X to the event horizon. <laughs> I love that one. That one's good. Oh, my. Can you just Wait, when you, when we get Todd Farmer's going to do the show again. When we get Todd Farmer back, will you pitch that to him? I would love to see it. And like I said, I don't care if you have to break the reality of both of those fields. But the, the kill scenes They've already done in, that both, one, Jason. in both of the films are too much fun not to do it. I mean, there's there's the, the cut scenes of all the horror that they get in the video of Event Horizon, and there's expanded ones that you can watch online that were never finished. That being said, my second two four, I was saying about this. What happens when two immortals meet and both of them are very hard to kill? That's right. I want Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod to have to fight Dracula. 
I wanted to find Highlander meets Dracula. It's hard to kill. <laughs> Highlander meets Dracula. Make it happen, Hollywood. You can do it. I have faith in you. Those are the two that I came up with. I'd pay to see either of them. As a matter of fact, I'd make Joe pay to see either of them. That's not really saying much, but yeah. I kind of like your first one, though. Okay, so a little background. Uh, I thought about this one, and I thought about a movie that was actually changed, that was actually turned into this movie because it was a failed script for a certain franchise. So I would like to see Aliens meets Pitch Black. Is you have Pitch Black Riddick, a failed script from another franchise? Uh, I read a story that, yes, it was, it was originally going to be an Alien sequel, and then it, they rejected it, and then it got turned into what is Pitch Black. So, yeah, I would like to see Riddick fight some Xenomorphs. I would love I'm to see sure. that one, too, actually. I, yeah, I actually – and by the way, Riddick is not a bad movie. Riddick is not a bad movie. Chronicles of Riddick is a piece of shit. It's a bad movie. Now, Riddick is just a revised version of Pitch Black, yep. but it's still entertaining. It's still entertaining. Wait, I got a flip side for this. Let, let me take your idea, Chad, and turn it on here. Now, imagine this. Riddick escapes from somewhere. New York? Uh-huh. But he's got he's to gotta go somewhere really fast. So he teams up from with Dom from The Fast and the Furious. We do it. Uh, we do it. Uh, Parent Trap style. <laughs> Every role in the film played by uh, Ben Diesel. All right, this has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size Edition. Next week, meh, meh, meh. Hey. Now who goes there? Busting rounds and I'm cracking y'all. Check it Climbing up the charts, so make way, cause you know we coming to tear the place apart. Come on, winding and dining all over Spooky Island Cracker. Let's get this thing cracking and keep the people wild. And I'm saying, the door about to shut, you better start running in before they close the spot and all the freaks stop coming in. Everybody up in the street, start the funnel in. Let all my people let us go down to the tunnel in. See when we come through and step on the scene. I razzle and dazzle the people with my mystery machine. Freaks come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. They can come from any direction, even come straight out the gutter. I'm saying, if you want to live a quiet life, you need to stay up in your house and don't come out at night, cause...
a day. You can come for a while, but you can't stay. It's no place for the weak at heart. What's us to say? It don't start till dark. Yeah. Up in the parks, the clubs, the halls. Turn the cell phones off. We ain't taking no calls. And don't fall, cause the nights are young. Ain't nobody gonna stop till we see some sun. Uh, hit me one, hit me two, three times. It's your uncle yeah. Cracker yeah. and bust the yeah. rhyme. <laughs> Fun times. How about that? Buster Rhymes with a track called Freaks Come Out at Night from the Scooby-Doo soundtrack, a kooky little family-friendly Halloween movie with a sequel that's arguably much better. Uh, that leads us into more Halloween recommendations, and this time we're going to uh, talk about a, a few newer ones, and there's been some really cool Halloweenish kind of movies over the past couple of years, stuff like Ready or Not, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and Hellfest. Uh, but I'm going to go first with this one, guys. I struggled with this one because I think there's just so many to pick and choose from. Stuff like Invisible Man and Underwater and Crawl, they were contenders. Um, but I went with one from 2019. It's one of the more bizarre horror movies of the year. Uh, one that has a m- massive Halloween flavor to it. The Banana Splits movie. Did you guys oh, catch this? No, I I wanted yes, to. I really yes. wanted to see it, but I uh, I remember when I saw the trailer, and I remember thinking like someone has fucking has pulled one yeah. out like for this because this is everything that I want to see in a horror film. This movie caught everybody off guard when it dropped. Like they took a popular Hanna Barbera <laughs> children's show from the sixties and turned it into a fucking slasher film that's as gory as all heck. And it tapped in, I think why, why it worked, it tapped into that creepy thing that so many kids' shows, particularly of that era, had. Like, you know, Puff and Stuff and Wazzle Gummidge and Teletubbies, they all have this sort of weird creepiness to them, but especially the banana splits. These characters in the movie turn out to actually be robots, and they've been robots all along, uh, even though you can kind of see the humans inside the suits and shit like that. <laughs> but that's kind of what makes it appealing. And these robots malfunction when it's announced that the Banana Split show has been cancelled. So the audience that's in attendance for the final taping essentially fall victim to a massacre. It's so much fun. It's kind of like, I think it's been described as chopping mall meets child's play, which is probably a pretty good way to describe it. So much fun. And what, what caught me off guard the most, I think, is the fact that I actually really cared about the kids in this one. Like the lead kid, I cared about this kid all the way through. I felt sorry for him. I thought... I thought I felt really like perverted for actually enjoying this film where this kid is really emotionally scarred and suffering. And then I had to remind myself what awesome filmmaking this is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you dig it? Yeah, I did. I thought it like you said it came left to field, did not expect it. I wasn't actually even familiar with the Banana Splits 
uh, series. So it was something when it first came across my radar when the trailer dropped. I was like, what is this? I remember speaking to like Grant at Monsterfest and he was like, yeah, I grew up with the show. And I'm like, jumped on YouTube and I'm like, I just, I was like, how have they got this IP and they're doing this? This is, this is insane. Um, yeah, no, I dug it. I thought it was really good. And like you said, that era of children's broadcasting did carry sort of a creepy value. When you look back at it now, you're like, oh, it's all kind of creepy. And ugh. so yep. taking that and making it a horror film makes perfect sense. And now look, it's opened, obviously opened the floodgate for bigger studios to do stuff like, you know, the Fantasy Island movie. It's sort of, yep. you know, taking popular IPs and then transforming them into something else, you know, which is yes. which is pretty interesting. I, I like that. If you're going to do a remake, do it and make it fucking weird. You know, I'm, I'm and and there's it. no argument that this one's weird, and the production value is quite good as well. It yeah. looks like like I was worried it was going to look like a really cheap kind of indie film that you know yeah. these yeah. they're trying to go for a big concept but haven't got the you know the the, the smarts to pull it off. But they did. Yeah. This feels like a, a an edgy studio film. You know, it's, it's yeah. A, yeah, very very it's surprising. Such a, it was such a surprise because yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere, went straight to home end pretty much globally. Like we got it in Australia the same time as the states. And it was not that far apart from that last Critters film that came out, Critters Attack. And this was so much better. Like, this was... Infinitely. The kind of the film you would see at a film, horror film festival, like a monster festival or something, as opposed to Critters Attack that, you know, you will be lucky to watch as a free <laughs> webisode series on the internet. But yeah. I did yeah, not make cool. it to the end of Critters Attack, but um, I felt the Banana Splits was actually a really fitting Halloween film. It felt very much like yeah. a festive kind of thing. But Ben, what have you got for us next? Uh, well, look, you've actually just, like, listening to you talk about that has actually made me switch my pick. Ooh. I was originally, I think I was going to talk about Overlord or some shit like that, like a, like a, <laughs> which I, He was going to recommend some shit. Some like shit, that. Overlord. I mean, like, I really like Overlord. Like, I love, I love, there's <laughs> a certain kind of World War II movie that I really love, and I thought Overlord turned that genre into, like, put horror into that world really effectively. I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, I, I this movie has not come out in Australia. I, I actually saw it uh, and tried to program it for Monster Fest, but I was shot down by the other programmers, uh, I think, in 2015. <laughs> it is a film called Love in the Time of Monsters, and it is this great. The idea was just so, was so awesome, and I, and I thought it was. It's a very kind of Zombievers ish kind of gross out kind of horror film, but it's basically set in this uh, kind of a Paul Bunyan type theme kind of uh, weekend getaway kind of family park type thing in in rural, I think California somewhere. Um, and you know these these. Uh, this woman goes uh, to, I think she goes to work there. She's going to get a job at this, uh, at this theme park. And there's all these uh, guys who dress up as Bigfoot uh, and wander around the park in their costumes, like scaring the kids and all this kind of stuff. But simultaneously to this, there's a, uh, the owner of the resort has decided to make extra money by allowing a, and that may have been a twist in the film, that I've just given away, <laughs> but is allowing the dumping of toxic waste in the lake of the park. And one of the, or no, they all, all four or five of the guys who are dressed up as Bigfoots 
uh, get into this kind of like during a break, they get into a kind of a like a faux brawl kind of thing. They're just slapping each other around and stuff, and they fall into this toxic waste water, and it makes them go insane. But also the kind of the costumes kind of fuse to them, so they essentially become uh-huh. these kind of Bigfoot psychotic killers who start massacring all of the the guests at this park but then also the animals who drink the the toxic waste water they also become homicidal and there is a phenomenal absolutely phenomenal scene of a psychotic beaver that chews its way out of a massive pair of boobs it is <laughs> it is a fan, it is, it's a really it's a really good film kane hotter is in it if that means anything to anyone He's in everything. Uh, you know, he he lends his name uh, to just about anything. And I actually met. I went to the to the in 2015 or 2016, I guess it was technically. I went to the US and I met the producer, um, and we went out and had dinner. And he is a great guy, and uh, he was telling me all about the making of this film, and uh, it made me love it even more. Like it, I don't know. I think you could probably see it. It's probably on Amazon Prime and stuff like that it's you can probably uh track it down it definitely got a dvd release in the u.s but i i would highly recommend it as a as a good halloween love film. in the time of monster was it called love in the time of monsters yeah awesome i'm sold i want to see it jared bring us home bring us home mate hang on the tag sorry the tagline i just see in this is uh, love in the time of monsters a bigfoot a mutant killer moose and a bitch in charge there you go Oh, that's a great tagline. I like it. All right. So the one I've got is actually a brand new film. It came out last year. Well, came out 2019 and did the festival round. So I think play like Fantastic Fest, but it has literally just came out this month on Shudder and it's called The Mortuary Academy. Now, this is another anthology horror, which I just, I adore anthology horrors. Now, this one's probably, hands down, the best one I've seen. Did I say Mortuary Collection or Mortuary Academy? You said Mortuary Academy, Academy. which I, I like... No, I know. I saw Ben's face and then I'm like, it's that bloody v- coffin case VHS of Ben's that, yeah. that got me confused. So the film's actually the, the Mortuary Collection. I was looking at Ben. I'm like, oh, he's heard of this one. And then I'm like, oh, no, I've, I literally have said Academy. But anyway, so the Mortuary Collection. It's an anthology horror. Best one I've seen since... Since Nightmare Cinema, and I actually think this one's even better than Nightmare Cinema because every story is super strong. Like, every one's a winner. Uh, And the stories range from, you know, short and contained to slightly lengthier but high concept. And they've all got a sense of humour about them, whether it's kind of overt or a little bit more subtle. And every single episode... Oh, sorry. Every single story is a banger. And the wraparound itself is terrific as well. The wraparound... It's Clancy Brown as this hideous sort of politician, um, and and he's so good. Yeah, he's absolutely like. In fact, his performance reminds me probably a little bit more of a charming version of the character he played in Pet Cemetery Two after he was brought back from the dead. But uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he's swapping stories with a young girl, and this young girl's there under the pretense of you know applying for a job, and so they sort of swap stories amongst one another. And I think it's like four tales all up, but. Everyone is bang for your buck. There's there's a mix of practical effects and CGI, but the emphasis is more on the practical effects, and the practical effects are fantastic. In fact, like the whole entire film looks so good that it's hard to believe that prior to it arriving on Shutter, that it didn't really get a bigger sort of festival run, or they didn't try and push it out, you know, in different avenues. So it's like that. 
in my mind, it's the best kept secret on Shutter at the moment because I don't know anyone that's really watched it yet. But um, I thoroughly recommend it. The Mortuary Collection. Um, you know, if you've got Shutter, watch it. If you haven't got Shutter, do the seven day trial and watch it because mm-hmm. it is absolute perfect viewing for this 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 Halloween festive season. Wow, awesome! Well, look, overall, that's six Halloween recommendations for everybody listening to to dive into. And I know that there are a few people who will definitely take us on board for some of those. So happy viewing to the lot of you. And how about a seventh one for good measure? We've got one from Adam coming right up. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. Now this week we are doing Halloween films and so I'm going to pick what I think is the best scary movie that you can check out. Now this film is relatively recent compared to the other films that will be talked about this week. This one came out in 2005 uh, and this is The Descent by Neil Marshall. Now Neil Marshall made a huge splash on the scene when he released Dog Soldiers, a movie that showed an enormous amount of promise. But I don't think any of us realised how good a filmmaker Neil was going to be with his next movie, The Descent. Now The Descent is ostensibly a survival tale about six women that go into a cave and surprise, surprise, they're not alone when they get down there. But what Marshall does and what makes this movie so inventive and makes it such a classic is that he puts two things together. He puts the creature feature together with a claustrophobic survival thriller. So you're basically getting like Alien meets 127 hours and all of it is pretty gross. Uh, this movie is really kind of like a test for people. I Every time I show this to someone, I just watch them and they're like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, like it's, it's humming along and then they start to squirm and then they really start to squirm. And then by the time there's the introduction of what are, you know, the antagonists in this film, people are shrieking. All the girls are really, really strong here. And Neil Marshall, he's an excellent technical filmmaker and knows how to rash it up the tension and his work here managed to get him some plum gigs on things like Game of Thrones. So some of those massive battle scenes that you remember, that is the work of Neil. So Neil has definitely got the sensibility of a genre filmmaker and he likes to bust heads open. And this is a very, very gory movie. So if you haven't seen this, check out The Descent. Absolute five-star pressure cooker, claustrophobic film. Definitely worth your time. Oh, there you go. The Descent. I don't know why, but that just feels like an Adam type of movie to me. It's weird how we have types of movies, like horror movies in particular. Obviously, I'm partial to those PG-13 brands of horror. What do you guys consider to be your type of horror? That's a very good question, Glenn. I'm, I, for real, genuine horror, I like, I like real scenarios, things like um, Eden Lake or, you know, funny games, not necessarily horror, but The Strangers maybe, except not The Strangers, Ills, the French version in infinitely better those kind of things really they really scare me because they could happen and relatable horror yeah absolutely when you can identify with the characters and relate to them that is the kind of horror that really scares me and that's the horror i'm drawn back to watch if i really i'm looking Mm. to be you know upset um but i generally i i I have a massive soft spot for slashes you know whether they're the iconic slashes like your Freddy or your Jason or whomever, um, or the more obscure ones like I watched one the other week, Deadly Manor, and that was a lot of fun. I don't know. I just love. I love. I love all shades of horror, but I guess it depends on what kind of mood of horror I'm in for. Yeah. So. And that would be the shortest answer you've ever given. And we all know that. Um, we all know that Ben is a Winorski kind of horror guy. Yeah. Like I, I, I require, I require gags, and I require nudity in my in my horror to really <laughs> yes. uh, seal the deal. Like things like uh, I know we had this discussion. I was actually I was thinking about talking about it, and I couldn't remember. Uh, 
when when we had discussed it uh, when we first got the Arrow Blu-rays, whether I liked it or didn't, uh, I was going to talk about Doom Asylum, which is <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes. I think I I think I quite enjoyed it, and you, you hated it. You did, you, yeah. I, I I couldn't sell that Blu-ray fast enough. I got it. And I had to. It was one of the few films that I. I did actually want to see people getting killed in it because I hated all the characters. So I had to start fast-forwarding through to the death scenes just because I wanted to see the people die. Um, and I think it had the bird from Melrose Place in it that ended up in Sex and the City, didn't it? I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, it was her first film, uh, Kristen Davis. Film. Kristen Davis? That's it. But it also, Davis, and it also yeah. has Patty Mullen, a.k.a. Frankenhooker. That's uh, right. I, yeah, as well. I forgot about that. But I remember telling you, God, I watched this movie. It was horrible. And I think even Danny chimed in and goes, Ben, it's the worst. Like, and then he made us watch all the death scenes. It just never ended. And then Ben watched it and Ben goes, that Doom song? I kind of liked it. <laughs> like, I, mean, I think I, it was enough that you bought it on Blu-ray I bought it on that. Blu-ray. I kept it. Like, I, 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 uh, I mean, I could, I could completely understand where you're coming from. The acting is yeah. possibly the worst acting in a horror film of, mm. ever. Uh, it yeah. is ridiculous. Like the the gore effects are pretty kind of cheap. Like they're fun, but they're they're cheap. Yeah. The plot is flimsy as. But <laughs> I I still found it. I found it endearing despite all of that, or maybe because of yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, it's weird too because that is pretty much I love those type of films. Um, but they are they are hit and miss with me. Like some I see and I you know I will just adore, and people will question. I can't understand where you like it. But, yeah, I can see all those aspects of Doom Asylum. That's probably why well, I was reluctant to sell guys, it, you know. I, I hate I hate to interrupt this little <sighs> thing going on here, but, you know. <laughs> Have you seen I Doom some, Asylum? <laughs> I got some, no, I haven't. I've got some stuff to give away. So for the people nice. listening at home, if you remember that TV spot that we played at the start of the show, uh, if you know what movie that was uh, promoting, then get in touch with us. It's glenn at fakechef.net. That's the email address. Be the first person to identify it correctly and you'll win a special Halloween pack. Uh, and how about this? Maybe if you win a prize, give us some shout out on your timeline on Facebook, or whatever. Take a photo with the prize and hashtag Good Movie Monday. Let's get that uh, online engagement thing happening. That would be fun. Um, and that is pretty much it for another episode. Is there anything else you want to riff uh, before we do go? Maybe they're like Monster Fest t-shirts up for grabs or anything like that? Yes. Monster Fest t-shirts are on sale now on the website. And it's you've got to get in early to guarantee your sizing. That's one thing with the festival. If you're not buying them the first night they're on the, the merch table, you're not going to get your preferred sizing, which is generally men's large and <laughs> men's medium are generally the, the you know, the ladies' sizes. Oh, men's XL. Don't those worry. Are, the and, and yeah, XL, yeah. Those three. The ladies' sizes, we've got them. We've got plenty of them. Um, we'll do multi-buy deals on them. But yeah, if you want a t-shirt, <laughs> jump on the website, monsterfest.com.au, grab it. We've got the sizes and we're hopefully going to be doing the festival in Melbourne. So support us with buying a shirt. If you, you know, you obviously no guarantee if Melbourne's going ahead or not, but if you buy a t-shirt, it really does help awesome. the festival itself. Awesome. Well, here's something. Uh, next week on our show, our special guest is going to be David Mama, who is the director of Apartment 1BR, which is a really cool little thriller. And I believe, Jarrett, you spent some time at Sundance with those folks, yeah? I did, yeah. I did with Alok Mishra, who's the producer of the movie, and Shane, I can't remember Shane's surname, who's a producer on it, and um, Naomi Grossman as well, who's in the movie. Yeah, we, we stayed in a 
one of the cabins there together during Sundance. But we, yeah, we programmed One BR last year at the festival when it was just called One BR. Now, obviously, it's retitled locally to Apartment One BR. And it was by far that and Harpoon were like my favorite films of the festival last year. So it's great that it's actually getting a physical release here in Australia. So really exciting. I can't wait to hear this interview. Yeah, he'll be on the show next week, um, <clears throat> dropping in for a chat. So I am super excited about that. And next week we'll be giving away the film as well as a prize. Um, but unless you guys have anything else to add. I do. I just want to say quickly, I just received this in an email. Uh, so, And I had to watch it straight away. I watched it just before we came on the air. There's a trailer for a Is new film. Is it about film. Bitcoin? Sorry? Is it about Bitcoin? It is about Bitcoin, funnily enough. David <laughs> Andrews David Andrews has, uh, <laughs> is, has a great new money secret that he's not telling anyone about. Uh, it's going to destroy the banks, and the banks don't want you to hear it. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is a trailer for a new film that looks like it's a Russian – it's like a Russian version of Duke Nukem called Bullets of Justice – it does have oh, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo in it. The poster <laughs> looks amazing. The trailer looks phenomenal. It is a post-apocalyptic world, like, but it's like hell. Hell comes to Frogtown, but instead of frogs, they're pigmen yes. with, uh, <laughs> and they eat. They eat people, and they treat them like pigs. And they, <laughs> it's got the, the trailer just looked absolutely amazing. If you got, if you got oh a spare God. two minutes. Or one minute twenty-five to be precise. Jump on YouTube and look at bullets, the Bullets of Justice trailer. I wish, I wish we could program this for Monster Fest because it looks amazing. Maybe, maybe we can for Melbourne. Well, it's it's got for some reason the trailer has an October fifteenth release date on it, so I'm guessing that means it's well, coming out. In, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the Russian release date, and it won't matter. Well, but uh, yeah, well. Everybody has been informed. Um, Jared, thanks, mate. For Thanks Thank for you. hanging out with us again. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, be enjoying your company a little more often. It's always fun. I'd love to drop in whenever you guys will have me. And Ben, it's, uh, it's great stuff, mate. Always fun with you. Uh, never dull. I try my best. I've got the, I, turn the, I turn the dull dial down as far as it will go. It doesn't go as far down as I would like, but uh, you know, I, give it, I give it my all. And, of course, a massive thanks to Guillermo uh, and ScreenRound.com, Adam Ross from the Australian Film Critics Association, and, of course, Joe, Chad and James from Bonehead Weekly. Always nice to have their otherworldly perspective on things, whatever that means. I just tongue-tied myself, but I'll forge on regardless. <laughs> Most importantly, thanks to all of you loyal listeners. Uh, and that means uh, without you, your support and all that stuff, we there's no point doing what we do. So be sure to keep listening, keep sharing, help spread the word, and... I'm just tripping all over my words here, so um, let's just but I think, leave it I at think, that. So I think, gonna... uh, though, it is important for all listeners to remember that uh, anything post Sean Connery, James Bond sucks. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm putting that out there for for a special for a special couple of listeners. You know who you are. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you with that, and we're also gonna leave you with a cool track from the 2018 soundtrack to another MonsterFest alumni, Hellfest. This one's called "Dead Alive" by Crisis Culture, and uh, have a grouse Halloween, everyone. We'll see you next week. Is it live?
Wow, wow, wow.